Live from the studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to another edition of the Other Kind Radio. Talk Radio. Today is November 9th, and this is episode 70. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast in which Todd and Jeff ping pong around all things pop culture. This week's episode is brought to you by the letter T and the number three. If you are a returning kind listener, welcome back. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Or tell me not to tell you what to do. You do what you want to do. You might be on a plane headed to a show. That's actually uh, meant for Beaker, who helped me get my mic in line. We have a brand new uh, rewiring of the, the other kind studio. So I'm hoping all of this is working. I hope we are recording. If we're not, I'm not going to tell Todd, and then I'll just put on an hour of static sound. First time listeners are congratulated on finding us amongst the plethora of podcasts that are out there, and there are, and they're really good ones. Uh, Todd uh, brought one up last episode uh, that was worth checking out, and I can't remember its name, so I'll have to ask him when we bring him on the show. We encourage all of our listeners to like, subscribe the show. By doing so, you are helping feed the algorithm that keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show in its gravitational pull. This week, Todd's take on Baby, Jeff's judgment on Death Stranding, on center stage, trailer talk. Before we get in and into that anymore, let's bring on my podcast partner. He is a family generator, movie maker, guitar and drum player, book author, dive bar boombox founder, and all-around renaissance man, live from his studio in the great state of Texas and delivering the significance of the number 70. Please, let's welcome Todd. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Expect the kids to answer me back, but they don't. So I have a question for you before I get into the number seventy, Jeff. Oh, can you not hear the audience members cheering you on? Oh, I heard them cheering. Oh, okay, good. I, I oh, okay. I expected them to talk back to me though when I said, "How is everybody?" I, I, that's they're so, not paid enough for that. First off, your intro today was really crisp and really good. Thank you. Have you been studying Paul Harvey a little bit? Paul Harvey. I liked it. You would come to a statement and you would stop before you went on. It was good. Day? That was really, that was probably your best intro today, Jeff. Woo-hoo! Hey, I, I'll take some. Really crisp, really I'm, good. So let's jump right in. Do you want to talk number 70 right away? You figure, yes. But real quick to your point, you figure after doing it 70 times, <laughs> well, there might be the slightest of improvement. But thank you, Todd. I appreciate that. I don't want course. to. Oh, oh. Kids, kids. Good Lord. Jeff will be here the whole show. You can scream all day long. Settle down. They're, yeah, they're in a five-hour mini. Um, <laughs> yes, let's hear about the number 70. What's up with 70? Well, 70 being the 70th episode that you and I have done this lovely show. 70 is a Pell number, which, for those of you out there that don't know, and since I am a mathematician, a Pell number is a number with an infinite sequence of integers. Don't know how that really applies to the real world. Um in sports, 
and I can say this because of my kid in Olympic archery, the targets are 70 meters from the archer. I don't know why that's relevant to anyone, but then the number 70 in pop culture, let's get to the real stuff. One of my favorite eras of pop culture, the Beatles disbanded in the year 1970. The Apollo 13 mission went to the moon and infamously became a movie because of it. We have the Chicago 7 happened that year. Uh, first Earth Day was celebrated. And I had another. And now, of course, there it escapes me. This was the year that Jimi Hendrix died. This was the year that Janis Joplin died. Simon and Garfunkel released their last albums in the year 1970. Some of the most popular films were MASH, Patton, Woodstock, Hello, Dolly, Catch-22, and On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And there you go. That's pretty much the number 70 and how it relates to pop culture. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Have you ever even seen that, Jeff? When the sunshine comes in the room. No, <laughs> don't don't watch don't watch the movie. Don't, go see it on stage. I, you know, funny you mention that. <clears throat> it's playing right down the street. Is it really? No. Um, well, you know, so, as a funny little aside, I I got to uh, spend some time with our mutual friend Steve the other night. We played ah. a gig at a place in Grapevine, and then we went out to eat dinner. Steve and I haven't had a chance to just sit and talk in forever. You know, that's just life doesn't allow that very often, right? And. He told me he knows how much I love stage musicals. In fact, when Steve and I used to travel a lot, we went to New York City all the time together just because that's, you know, that's where they'd send us. And I so rarely ever went to Broadway shows there. And one day, the company we worked for was actually a sponsor of one of the shows on Broadway. They gave us tickets. Steve famously got up from the seats and went and stood by the soundboard the entire time. Oh, I remember that story. And it was like, dude, you could not just sit down and watch a show. So now fast forward to today, he tells me that he bought his wife. Uh, and his, I think his mother-in-law, I don't, I don't recall, or maybe his mother, uh, tickets to go to a bunch of musicals. And one of them couldn't, I think his mother or whoever the person was, could not go. And he said, dude, have you ever seen Phantom of the Opera? I actually sat and watched a musical and it was really good. And I thought, well, you know, I at least got Steve to finally sit down. Now, if I can only get Jeff to sit down and watch a musical. So that is my next goal is to get you to put your butt in a seat in a live musical. I have been to Cats. Well, I, I am like fairly maligned. That it's, I, you know, I, I get so tired of people putting that thing down. You know, it's, it's a piece of artistic expression. I liked Cats. Good. Did you? If, if I could pick the musical that we go see together, it would be the one that's eight billion seven hundred five million six seconds. That's actually a great musical. Right. Just so I could get that down and then just repeatedly, nonstop, sing it to you. So that is called Rent. That is the famous Pulitzer Prize winning uh, musical by Jonathan Larson, who famously died the day before it was to premiere on Broadway. Um, if you want to completely crush my wife, you will learn that song and sit by her and never stop singing because <laughs> that woman is susceptible to earworms and yeah. that's the worst one in the world. That one's got stuck in my... That's why I could, you know, because I auditioned for that that production. I, what? But I couldn't. I could never get that the number sequence down. <laughs> I was always off. <laughs> well, do you know that I told Shelly we we always talk about hey when I pass away just do these things for me. You know, right. in my funeral, and I always tell her like I don't want a lot of preaching. I want people drinking alcohol. But here are some songs, and one of them I put in there was that's that song is called Seasons of Love, and I said I want it played because I figure if I'm going to torment her, yeah. even when I'm gone, I'm going to play that damn song for her. And you also are going to give me all your Star Wars stuff. Okay. You can have every bit of it. <laughs> let's let's get this show started. Uh, before we get into 
uh, Todd's take on, which I do have the uh, correct audio queued up this week. Um, couple couple pop culture popcorn tidbits. So again, we keep mentioning this week to week, and and I'm sure some kind listeners are like, "Oh my god, I'm so tired of hearing about it," but. This movie continues to have huge success, and I think it worth mentioning. The Joker has now become the most successful comic book movie in history. And that, just let that sink in for a minute, because it's going to be close to a billion-dollar movie once it's done. And we need to define, though, what successful means. It has not made the most money. No. It's the most profitable. Right. So well, its original budget was 62.5 million and to date it's made 957 million which means that it has made back 15.3 times its original investment. And I think a lot of that has to do with again not only just a you know a great groundbreaking performance by uh, Mr. Phoenix Joaquin Phoenix um I think it's a sign of the times because it is not a Avengers movie. It is not right. a Thor movie. It is a, it's a, to me, more of a film. So congratulations to Joaquin Phoenix on uh, the Joker. I'm sure uh, B-Man in Texas, my old buddy Brian, I'm sure he, he probably went and saw that movie and he probably thought it was horrible and he doesn't understand or he doesn't want to hear about its success. But um, um, he thought it was horrible. Well, he probably, he, he, he's the anti-pop culture. We need to have him on the show sometime. Oh really? Because you'll say something like, you know, hey, that you know, that's really good, and then he'll be, he'll just blow it away. <laughs> He's, Wait, you think he, I'm a minimalist that more than you? Yes, because I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in podcast uh, host mode. Oh, and he will be the voice that says, "No, that movie was horrible," and then you two can get into it, and I'll just stand back and eat popcorn. Um, another pop culture tidbit for everybody is um, this past week. <clears throat> there was a 17-year-old professional video game player uh, living in a $21 million Hollywood mansion, Hollywood Hills mansion, and he's this one of these guys that is streaming on Twitch and making buku bucks, and he uh, he got caught cheating. Oh, let's turn the sounder up. Okay, let's try it. He got caught cheating. Oh my God! Why? Oh, gotta unmute the channel. There we go. He was using this. The, you see, and I started so well. This is like the the great stock. This is like what was it? Black Tuesday, Black Monday, where the stock market crashed back in 1923. Yeah, you see, it's a step back in history. Anyway, he was playing Fortnite, and there, I guess, with computer games, you can get this thing called an aim bot that helps you be more. Uh, accurate when you're shooting other people and he got caught and he has been permanently banned from Fortnite. he cannot stream it he cannot youtube it he can't do anything with it to his credit before i be beat up on this poor guy named jarvis k who went by uh oh god what was this uh uh foz banks um Wait, hang, on, hang on hang on hang on yeah foz banks is his screen name i think so but what is Jarvis K? Is that his real name? Jarvis K. 
I thought you just said Jarvis K. I thought you oh, said something Jarvis. Like yeah, K is his real name. His real name, I think, is. Uh, Way to go on making me feel stupid when I actually said exactly what you said. Thanks so much. But <laughs> I, I just, I'm curious if you have a name like Jarvis K. Why you even go looking for a screen name? Right, that is pretty That's good. Already weird enough as it is. Good point. Good point. So, but he did go, he went on um, uh, social media and apologized and I guess broke down and started crying. I would too, if I was living in a $21 million mansion and my How old is he again? 17. Wow. Uh, and it's, it's the reason why it's pop culture worth, right? So you can take this to the water cooler if your office has such device is it's, uh, it's perma band is, is for evs, yo. So uh, there you go. Uh, don't cheat. If you're streaming on, on the internet, don't cheat. Can I ask a question of the, the neophytes of the world as far as it comes to gaming and, and such? Go ahead. He's That username is permanent banned? So, what prohibits him from getting a brand new computer with a do, different IP address and creating a new name right. and a new personality where he just blacks out his face and you can't see him and he's doing it? Right. So, so much of... Um, the 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 Twitch success formula is creating an identity. Okay, I'm sure he could go on and do all of that, but without them knowing it's him, then um, obviously you wouldn't get the backing and sponsorships and everything. And then there would always be the problems with the World Championships and other things where, at some point, he would have to show his face. Now he could pull a uh, what's that musical group that where they wear the robot helmets. Well, you could also do the mass singer, which you know, we got everybody running around with big costumes on while they're singing beneath costumes. You do you know? know what group I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. Kiss? No, they War. wear robots' helmets. Um, yeah, Chef Jeff is screaming at MCC. his MCC. Chef Jeff screaming at his uh, his his uh, his media deck right now. Experience. I will I will look that up while we're doing it. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is it seems it's popping up more across uh, the political lines, but also in pop culture on Reddit and everything. Is the um, the the term "boomer" for for old people? Not quite us old yet, but maybe closer to our parents. And in most cases, it's kind of meant as a kind of a derogatory uh, term, right? What do you think about that? Well, it's funny you touch on that because on my other podcast, Minute of the Apes, we do a segment every weekend. And I think the one that just published this morning is about, it's actually the term is OK Boomer. And I brought it up to the other guys because my daughter, Abby, 16 years old, comes home and goes, oh my God, this is so funny. You got to hear it. <laughs> and, I, and I told her, I said, I get it. I was a teenager once too. And I was like, shut up. But I said, it, it's, you know... I'm sure a lot of them would go, okay, boomer to me, but I, I am too analytical when it comes to these things. So I'm not, I, it's like, fine. You want to say it, say it. I don't give a crap. It doesn't bother me. Cause I'm right. not a baby boomer. Right. Um, That's who they're referring to though. Right. And it's kind right. of, kind of way of just saying whatever old buddy, old, you know, no longer relevant old person. Yeah. And, and I told Abby, I said, that's the one place that really, it does bother me as your father. Right. Because I've taught you that it's never okay. I don't care. You know, we can argue the, and, and I'm going to go for a lot of latitude here, but we can ar argue the impact of the N-word to something as relatively new as Boomer. And, you know, obviously the N-word has tons of history upon it. 
that makes it a totally different thing. But I said, I would never be okay with you if you said, okay, N word. Right. Uh, there's an F word that refers to homosexuality. I said, I'd never be okay if you did okay that. I said, therefore, I'm not, I cannot, I cannot be your father and not stay along my lines of, I don't agree with that type of behavior. Right. And, and then I saw, I told Abby last night, cause it's really been a great conversation point for she and I, I said, um, there's really an interesting article that I think Time Magazine did, and I think I saw it through CNN, where they asked two writers, one a millennial and one a baby boomer, to go at each other. And once they got past all the hyperbole and those zinging in, uh, insults, it really came down. And I think where a lot of this comes from is this younger generation feels, hey, you guys really screwed up the world. And now with climate change, you're leaving a world where we don't even know if we want to have babies and but the baby boomer came back and said, "Well, I get that. I felt that too when I was your age." But you want to talk about pollution? Go look at what New York City and Los Angeles looked like at the beginning of the '70s, and we passed all kinds of things to get that smog cleared up. And he's like, "Every generation has to go through this. You are not unique." I remember. And I so, remember smog. Yeah, smog. I remember was like, those pictures of those those cities, and I'm like, "God, why does it look like crap?" And you know, smog. Yeah. So I told her, I said, I don't think this is unique to you. I, I do think it's the first time I've ever heard generational um, pop culture moments like that to where it really be has become movement. There's even a song out there called OK Boomer. And, and <laughs> frankly, it's really bad. OK Boomer. OK well, Boomer. When the sun comes through the window. Well, the fun I had with Abby, too, is that uh, Abby being named after the Beatles, Abby Road, has been raised around that culture of loving the 70s. And so we'd be going along and, yeah, what do you think of this person? Oh, I love him. Baby Boomer. <laughs> Baby Boomer. And then uh, a friend gave her a vinyl copy of the musical Hair. And I said, you've never seen it. Let's watch the movie together. She, of course, she bitches and moans, but she sits down and watches it, loves it. And I said, you know what's really cool about all of them? They're all Baby Boomers. And she just looked at me and said, okay they get a boomer pass and i said you can't do that because that is and, and I, i'm going to be controversial here i said that's like saying they're okay for a black person that's not cool mm. i said you've got to either just accept people for who they are and their actions or not so it's a it's a weird little moment that i never expected to have all these conversations with my kid i wonder if uh oklahoma's football team is going to be because they're the boomer sooners <laughs> Well, Abby wanted an OK Boomer shirt, and I said, uh, you realize that that's also maroon and gray, which are OU colors, which being Texas Longhorn fans, we hate them. And she was like, you ruined everything. And I yeah. was like, well. I had to, I had to explain to the, uh, the, the, the family unit uh, one reason why Oklahoma uh, football fans always get me, get me in the soft spot, so to speak, or in the rib, <laughs> is... Uh, it doesn't matter if they're playing Texas. It doesn't matter if they are playing in out of state, you know, mm -hmm. on the East coast or whatever, whenever they cut to an Oklahoma fan, they always have the horns down. Even I if know. they're not, even if they're playing Texas, I'm just like, I don't understand that. And, and, and kudos to them for finding something that if I see on the television just throws me into a, a tizzy. Cause I'm sure that's exactly why they do it. They're like somewhere, somewhere Jeff's watching and he's going to freak out, man. I just, that alone, I, man, are you the laziest people in the world? I get when you play Texas, you want to do upside down hook them. Right. But when the rest of them, you know, thrust a finger up your nose or something and make that your, your thing. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know what your hand sign is, but right. get a little creative. 
what the yeah what is the boomer but we'll we'll keep the kind listener update on this uh this boomer talk and uh, it'll go away in six months it will it will yeah it probably will um all right well hey let's uh let's uh, go ahead and dust it off let's pull it out don't think dirty yes i actually have the sound file ready to go today yay that's the projector that means it's time for todd's take on todd what's your take on this week my take is on a netflix internet or international netflix show that my daughter brought to me she had been telling me for quite a while that she found this show that is an italian show and she of course she comes to me have you ever watched any things with subtitles i'm like yes <laughs> watch subtitles daddy is a movie fanatic i watch everything you know i thought i wouldn't like it but it's really good and this show is called baby baby I'm, I got to flip over to my thing. And of course, while I'm away, an ad pops up. So let me tell you, baby, it's kind of similar to what Euphoria is on HBO, but without oh. quite the graphic nature of it, the content is still there, but you don't see visually the thing. So basically, basically, um, basically, basically, baby is a grime stained window into the lives of various students who attend an exclusive Roman high school. Mostly the series focuses on two young ladies who turn to high-end prostitution to make money. Now, upon watching this with her, you know, she sat me down and said, please don't balk at this. Please don't get upset. Um, and I was like, dude, I watched Game of Thrones with you. There's not much that's going to go up on a screen that I'm going to feel uncomfortable with you next to me if I've already weathered that. Um, Until you saw episode one was entitled Boomer. <laughs> So we watch it and, you know, the kids are doing bad things and, and it's pretty honest. The thing for me that was a massive takeaway was about halfway through it. She said, this show's different than a lot of things. I think at this time she's also watching Gossip Girl. That's something that came her way. And she said, like Gossip Girl, just everybody talks and tells you the story. This one, sometimes they don't talk. And I said, oh, they use filmmaking techniques. I've been trying to get you to pay attention to that kind of crap since you were a baby. And now you finally wake up to it. And what it's taught her is sometimes stories are going to pose questions and they're not going to answer them. And that is the story. Right. Um, this show is very, very well done. It is disturbing because a lot of these kids are going through some bad, bad stuff. One little girl sees her parents have stayed together despite saying that they want to divorce and her father is having affairs literally in their driveway. And, Another little girl's mom is just using her to get money from the ex-father, and that's why I, they turn to prostitution. And it's it's a hard look at things, but what's cool is to see television from around the world where they do use filmmaking techniques that are a little different than what have migrated into, I'm going to say, shows on Netflix and HBO are very different in the way they're presented as opposed to things on network television. And this is, by all accounts, it is a Netflix show, but it is using Italian-type cinema things. It's really well done. If you're, if you're willing to read subtitles, go watch this. It's based on an actual case from uh, 2014 where some parents found out that these kids within a private school had turned to prostitution to make money to buy the things they wanted. Whoa. So it's a very compelling, very interesting show. I'm not saying that I am, like, rushing out to watch the next episode, but, hey— Pretty good. Watch, watch, read, read. Yeah, watch, read. Because you said there's subtitles. Oh, watch, read. I see what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I like it when I, I say I'm, something I'm, like it's that. Early, Jeff, and you're just like, why? 
Why do I do a podcast with this guy? Who says watch read? Nobody. No, you're actually smarter than I am. And by the way, no, there's no way that that's possible. And by the way, basically, basically, it's just a basic way of saying really basic. So don't don't beat yourself up about that. I say <laughs> basically, we call basically. So basically, basically. In fact, I am going to bring basically, basically back. <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, I'll come back in a week and be like, I can't go to the library. They won't let me in the grocery store. The convenience store has banned me. Uh, Fortnite has banned me. <clears throat> So for the kind listeners that don't know, what Jeff just did is Jeff's way of kicking me in the balls. No! Yeah, it is. And I love love it. It's smart. It's funny. But that is, in all the times Jeff and I have sat at a bar, he'll do things where at first I'm like, oh, that was, wait, you just kicked me in the balls. That's why it's hurting right now. He's really good at it. And I love it. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So that's Baby. That is on Netflix. And it gets Todd's uh, seal of approval. So let's go ahead and uh, take that projector and shut her down. And I didn't mean shut her down in a non-PC in any way. Oh, God. Okay. And now I'm going to get banned off the podcast culture club. Um, and we'll have Todd back next week with another edition of Todd's Take On. <laughs> Quickly... Uh, let's move on to Jeff's judgment on now well, this is going to go out with a little bit of uh, guilt because my dad and I have been talking about this game and we want to play it together. And I promise pop, I haven't got too far into it, but I wanted to have something to talk about this week in Jeff's judgment. And so here it is. Death stranding is a PlayStation four exclusive. It will be coming to PC in early 2020. And it's basically, um, Hito, uh, and I'm going to get, Feel free to to write in and tell me how I've ruined this guy's last name. Hito uh, Kojima is the creator. He's the guy that gave us Metal Gear Solid. He when when this gentleman makes a game, he makes a game that is so so large and has. I mean, their maps in his games are just go on forever, and he does an excellent job of both creating tension with story. And in some of his games, cutscenes last upwards of anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes. So that's like you're playing a video game and then you're watching an episode of Friends. If Friends were military, you know. Oh, and the name of the... Oh God, I'm going to forget it again. <sighs> Norman Reedus. No, it's uh, Daft Punk is the name of the group. Thank you. Uh, oh, my God. Did we really just gear shift back five minutes in the episode for you to tell me that? I just remembered. All right. So <laughs> Death Stranding also has going for it uh, Norman Reedus, who is kind of the greasy-haired uh, hillbilly from um, Walking Dead. This story and all the trailers for it, if you want to see a trippy trailer for a game... Uh, go out and look out, look for the Death Stranding trailer. Basically, it's post-apocalyptic, and you are trying to help reunify America by technically setting up and, and getting all these different communication towers to talk to each other. There's a whole nother uh, portion to the story and everything that I won't get into. Initial reports and reviews of this game were very low. Because a lot of what you do is walk. So you're at a substation. You pick what equipment you want. You actually pick like 
where you put it on your body for balance and everything. And then you go for this long walk, which is uh, part boring, but broken up with some tension things, as, as well as just reminding you that you have to make sure when you put stuff on your back and your left and right that they match and wait. Luckily, there is a button you can hit where to auto-pack you so you're not having everything on the left or the that right. That sounds power- really uh, painful. Yes. Um, it even wants you to pay attention to what how your, how your footwear is being worn uh, down. If you start to get blisters, you'll travel slower. The things that this game does, though, that are different and have me hooked is that random part, poor, uh, parts, or what I am perceiving as random parts of the game, um, you'll walk over the crest of a, a hill and see a big valley below you. The camera will pull back a little bit, giving you a wider view, and then a, a song will play that fits what you're looking at. It's the weirdest thing. And it's not like a top 40 song. It's not like, wake me up before you go-go, or, you know, hit me like a hurricane. Uh, it's this, <laughs> it's it's basically these songs that were written for the game. And um, it's it's a beautiful game. It's gorgeous. And I'm just a little bit into it, but uh, it, it's a game that you can play that is such a different gear from Call of Duty or, or even uh, God of War, any of those that are just action-packed. This has action. It has a lot of cutscenes, but you kind of this is more for somebody that wants to feel like they're a part of a movie. Uh, the storyline is, is pretty good as well. So that's Death Stranding, PS4. If, if action is your game, then this is not what you want. But if you want to spend long periods of time... <sighs> pushing your controller button so somebody walks up a hill and then hearing some cool songs at times, then uh, check out Death Stranding. I tell you right now, if we haven't lost all our listeners, everybody has definitely taken Death Stranding off of their uh, Christmas list, but I still give it a, I still think it's good, worth checking out. Uh, I, I was going to ask that. I was like, you know, I, you gave so many caveats to hey if you like this and you don't like this and you like that. i was like okay do you like it i do okay i do i it, it, again you you think about a game where you're walking um the majority of the time and you're carrying this large load so you you have to use this button to scan the terrain and you want to pick you know you want to stay on the terrain that shows that's going to have sure footing otherwise if you get into yellow or red you could fall over and that would damage the gear uh, <laughs> yeah so if you to me, that's a game in the sense that I'm, you know, enough of wanting to paying attention to detail. I want to deliver all of my supplies in 100 uh, percent fashion. Um, but yeah, Death, Death Stranding. I, again, I think if you're a fan of of uh, Kojima's uh, Kojima's games, then definitely check this out. But if you're looking for something that's completely different and have a PS4, uh, then uh, make sure you check out Death Stranding. It sounds interesting. If I had a PS4, I'd do it, but I'm not going to buy a PS4. Right. All right. So that's Jeff's judgment and Todd's take on. Let's move to center stage, where today we are going to talk about the history of the movie trailer. Now, for those kind listeners that have been joining us for several uh, episodes, uh, basically, Todd and I do have the same opinion when it comes to modern day trailers, and that is the majority of them 
are showing way too much of the film and look like they've been run through the same algorithm as everything else. It's fast cut scenes. It's whatever soundtrack and money they've thrown at whatever top 40 band. Um, and just kind of showing a mishmash. None of them, none of them really tell what the movie's about anymore. It's all, I mean, it's so visual that it's just like, oh, I see that there's some fighting and he gets into a plane and I think that's the new Batmobile and then the Batmobile. <laughs> that like basically, basically. Yeah, that's basically, basically the Batmobile. Um, and anything you want to add to what our current conviction is as far as trailers? Nothing more than exactly what you said, that they that currently when you go and watch, first off, there are too many. It is, there oh, yeah. is just too much that I've, I've allotted. I'm going to go see this two hour movie, but I have to also build in another hour just to watch advertisements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I understand why the, the, the movie companies do not want to have their trailers play while people walk in because no one's paying attention, but there's just so many of it. It's, it's ridiculous. And I think, I think a lot of this, um, a lot of the mindset behind it and, and, and you could, you may disagree with me on this, but I, it's almost to me, and I know this depends heavily on the, the individual, but it's, to me, it's the same thing as modern day advertising on television. Yeah, you know, I have I have very rarely in my life seen a commercial for something and said, "Okay, well, unless it's a video game, <laughs> uh, I've got to have that." You know, it, it, to me, it's just something I'm fighting through to get to the next you know portion of the show that I'm trying to view. But most advertising is not built around, "Hey, I got to go out, run out, and buy that," because. Unless you're needing new laundry detergent, a Tide ad is not meant to make you go buy it. Oh. It's meant to have brand recognition, which movie traders are exactly that. So that when the new Star Wars trailer comes out, everybody's, have you watched it? You have to, first off, it's an event. Now a trailer releases as an event. And it's also to have the recognition that this movie is going to be released. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, once again, I was kind of oversimplifying, but yeah, absolutely. Um so I want to send a shout out to filmmaking360.com. Um, actually, it's filmmakeriq.com. Um, and this gentleman, uh, John Hess, has write, written an article that's kind of given me my notes here for the history of the trailer. And so I think what we should do is we'll start kind of you know where the trailer came from and then work up to where we're at today, and then we can talk through some things. But basically, we're all going to jump back into the AV time machine, and we're going back to the early 1910s, specifically 1913, is what historians would agree would be the year zero for movie trailers. And the interesting thing was um, this this guy, uh, Marcus Lowe, so those of you who have been to Lowe Theaters, we're talking Gen 1 here. What he would do is he's, he was uh, going to show this this film called Pleasure Seekers, which was actually based on a Broadway play. And he would um, start cutting up different portions of the film and then just showing little tidbits to kind of tease and get people to watch it. Also worth noting back in that time, if you went to the movie theaters, you, you pay whatever it was, the five cents or two cents to get in. And then you could stay in there as long as you wanted. There was just a loop that would have like the main feature and then some short films and some cartoons, but you could stay in there all day. I mean, I mean, nachos that that is to me at that point. No, I was just, you know, that's, that's a lot of nachos and stuff. 
whenever I was a kid, you could you could still buy one ticket and stay. They were, you know, even oh, the kids really? would come clean it out. And it was oh. like, yeah, you just go to the bathroom and come back. We don't care. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. They really didn't start cleaning out theaters and making you do that probably until around 1990 when they started realizing, hey. We're losing money. Uh-huh. We're not a babysitting service. Ding. I wonder if they even had nachos back then. It's funny. We need to probably do concession talk at some point because <laughs> right. when I was a kid, I remember it was, you know, popcorn, candy, hot dog. That was it. And then suddenly the nacho came and all looks like, what? That, Cheese and a chip? That is worth having a discussion at some point because these uh, these theaters that are now starting to serve like a restaurant. Right. I knew that we had one in Dallas that was kind of cool. I think it was the Granada that used to, you could get dinner and stuff. And this is back when you could smoke in there and people drinking beer and getting hammered and stuff. And um, I don't know. Those places kind of, they, they confuse uh, my old brain. You know, okay. I'm, I'm conditioned to sit down, eat popcorn, watch movie. But when I'm like, hmm, do I want a steak or a salad or a soup? Then it's overload. Okay. That's that's on the calendar for someday. Someday. Uh, basically, basically. So from there, there was a group, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of skip ahead a little bit that there was this service that that was created called the National Screen Service. And it was started in 1919 by Herman Robbins. And basically, there was an open an office in New York City. And what they would do is they would take films, edit them themselves, and create their own trailers and put them in movie houses. Now, a lot of the time, they would not ask for permission. They would just do it. But the movie the movie producers didn't have any problem with it because it was promoting their movie. Um, and they were the only ones that were doing it. So for a long time, uh, up until like close to the 1960s, the National Screen Service was the only house creating movie trailers um, and getting them into different theaters. Now, you got to remember, movie houses back in the 1913, there weren't the multiplexes. It was one screen. So we're also seeing a trend here between um, the National Screen Service having a monopoly and movie houses going, hey, if we're making this much money off of one screen, we think if we had two screens. And then, as we know, they've got the, the giant houses. Um, to which at that time, and again, the trailers, and I think we've got some examples we'll show here in a second. We're pretty, um, a lot of text on them. I noticed in watching some old ones, you know, where like Casablanca has all this stuff that's written on it as far as like, you know, can you, can you handle the danger? Do you want to go on an, you know, adventure, thrill seeking, all that kind of stuff. Very, to me, rich with history, but just from a trailer standpoint, look pretty kind of kind of comical at least to me well that's remnants of the silent era you know how do you get something across and get people to pay attention those graphics to them were yeah. exciting and i so i think that they were using that language to continue it on because they, they you know the trailer at that time still was not the event that it is now and so right. i think they really were trying to do anything to jazz them up well and i i, I feel bad because i should have started with this did you todd did you know that the word, the reason why they were called trailers is they were shown at the end of the film. I think I've heard that before, but it wasn't like top of mind. So just just imagine the guy going like, "Hey, boss, what do you think? They're like instead of at the end of the movie, we show you the beginning of the movie, you know?" And and that guy got fired, and then he, like Rocky, started to learn how to box, and then he you know won a couple fights, and he collected his money, and he made his own movie theater, and he called it the Trailer Movie Theater, and he played trailers first, and that was Bob Jensen. Who died in 1847. 
Um, I, I first off, hang on. <laughs> I am so confused now. Um, I, I'm just curious. I, I went down the rabbit hole in my head of okay, if they were called trailers because they trailed the film, right? Would they be called leaders if they were named correctly or prematures? Okay, thank you. This has been The Other Kind Radio. We'll see you next week. Not prematures is like babies. I'm talking about like the other. I, I know right. what you were talking oh, okay. about, Jeff. I'm quite aware of it, and that's why I, I'm not worried about babies. I mean, that's, you know, we have doctors that help those little lovelies get in into the world. What you're talking about, next thing is going to be a Viagra commercial. So <laughs> you need to chill there, brother. Right. I shouldn't have drank a Red Bull. Um Ooh. Yeah, you don't like Red Bull, do you? Uh-uh. Yeah, some people smell Red Bulls and they freak out. I, Abby asked me the other day, have you ever had one? I was like, yeah, and then I went to the bathroom. You know, and it's... <laughs> if I need to clear myself out, Red Bull, whoop! Red Bull, clear yourself out. Um, so there's kind of the beginning as we went on a little diatribe there as far as like, you know, movie houses having one screen showing um, previews of, or trailers, of other movies at the end... And then we start to get in to what you refer to as the golden age or the, or the really, uh, I, I guess, golden age, I don't know, of film where we start seeing glimpses of genius. And I think this would be a good area for you to kind of walk us through what things like Citizen Kane did and, and some of the other ones that really kind of changed the whole gameplay. And this, again, was a direct swipe at the National Screen Service where directors were saying, you know, I don't want my film that I just shot and worked and put all my life into being cut up and put in your way with your jazzy letters and everything. I want to do it the way I want to. Right. And so and I've said it a thousand times before and the, the kind listener who's been on this odyssey with us through 70 episodes is going to know that amongst my favorite films of all time. And by the way, I don't know if you can hear the world war three that's going on outside. Apparently someone's using a blower next door. So I'm sorry if you hear that. No, you sound great. God, it's just, I, I literally thought my house is about to blow away. I just hear this, raw. Um, Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. I love the movie. You, you, I, I would love to sit down with any of you that, that I can ever find a chance and watch that film, and, and we can talk about all the things that are just masterful with it. But the trailer for Citizen Kane, if you've never seen it, uh, I think we'll probably play back a little bit of the audio, but I, I urge you to go watch it because – Orson Welles and his control, even at that point, where uh, basically you'll see a microphone swoops around. It's just a microphone in the air, and you hear a voice talking. And even that little bit of artistry that goes along with it was the people are like, wait, you shot that just for the trailer? What? Right. And then it sort of led people to go, oh, we can do these things. And then it almost became you get forward, and we've also got this. And, and Jeff, we don't have to play all these. We can put some of them just out on Twitter or whatever for people yeah. to watch. But uh, since I do Men of the Apes, I've, I've watched the uh, Planet of the Apes trailer a thousand times. And there are typical ones where you just get the shock of the makeup of right. the apes. But there is a famous one where Charlton Heston is, hello, I'm Charlton Heston, and I'm on this crazy set here. <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, they show a little bit of the visuals, they show you the set, but that's kind of cool yeah. because now what you're telling me is he's in a crazy movie with crazy sets. It's a spaceship, and there's Charlton Heston. Right. What more do I need? And that's where Jeff and I always get into a trailer. Just like, why do I need to see all these beats of the film? I remember when the uh, Michael Keaton, Tim Burton first Batman came out that there was one line that, that Jack Nicholson's Joker said 
And I literally, the first time I'm watching it, I'm like, when's he going to say it? And that's the first time I ever had the idea or the understanding of, oh, you could put something in a trailer that ends up getting cut from the film. Right. That even ruins it for me because I find myself watching for these things. So you go back to what Orson Welles, and I'm not saying he did it alone, but what he at least tossed out with Citizen Kane had people understand yeah. we can tease these things effectively without ruining them. Well, let me, let me go ahead and play. I've got it all queued up, Citizen Kane. We'll play this one. And let me make sure I have this page. Uh, yep, I do have it unmuted. I'm going to play it along with you, and I'm going to mute myself so okay. I don't ruin the audio. And uh, here we go. Give me a mic. So he's asking for a mic. A, a microphone, not the, a guy named Mike. Now he's the mic got a microphone in front of him. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Orson Welles. Oh, I'm speaking for the Mercury Theater, and what follows is supposed to advertise our first motion picture. Citizen Kane is the title, and we hope it can correctly be called a coming attraction. It's certainly coming, coming to this theater, and I think our Mercury actors make it an attraction. I'd like you to meet them. Speaking of attractions, well, the chorus girls are certainly an attraction. But frankly, ladies and gentlemen, we're just showing you the chorus girls creepy. for purposes of ballyhoo. It's pretty nice ballyhoo. But here are some of our real Mercury people. This is the first time you've seen most of them on the screen. Hey, uh, give Joe a little light. Thanks. Now smile for the folks, Joe. Smile. Joseph Cotton, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Joseph Cotton. I think you're going to see a lot of him. Here's Ruth Warwick, whom I know you love. Ruth. Look at the camera, Ruth. <laughs> we caught Ruth with her hair up. And here's somebody you've all heard on the radio, so I don't have to tell you he's wonderful. Ray Collins. Dorothy Comingore is a name I'm going to repeat. Dorothy Comingore. I won't have to repeat it much longer. You'll be repeating it. In the background. And here's They're George Koulouris, who's a grand actor. I'll say that name again. Yeah, I was I was just going to stop it there. So, you know, for those that obviously this is, uh, this is a podcast, so the visual element is left out. But... Um, very interesting. Again, we're not seeing anything from the movie. It's Orson Welles, um, who is being Orson Welles. I did notice though, it was funny when he was like, hello, everybody, I'm Orson Welles. You still had that stringing in the background, you know, like just a little bit off pace of what he was doing. And if I could go back in the AV time machine, I would tell Orson, take that out. Cause I think it would have been more dramatic, um, without his without some music in the background but you know going through the cast introducing the cast doing things like asking for uh, a microphone making a cre creepy comment about the the, the showgirls singing um yeah this is like the anti uh trailer right. i don't know if it would i guess back in the day i mean it's getting me intrigued now maybe that's what i should have done before i watched citizen kane was watch the trailer well, even the trailer shot pretty interestingly. Yeah. That um, the the opening shot of the microphone is you know very backlit. It comes in in a silhouette, and it 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 evokes many of the images that you'll see in the film. And then I think it's Everett Sloan that when they introduce him, he runs to one of the the Hall of Mirrors in Xanadu, and we see the camera boom behind him. That has shot almost like the film would shoot a serious moment. So. They're still putting out their visual language. They're still doing things that can entice you. Yeah. But they're not, they, so far up to this point, they've not told us what this film's about. They've only told us we've got this coming. Here's what it looks like. Here's what you're, who you're going to see. 
And you also think radio was such a hot thing at the time. He's using that. You know this voice also well. You know, yeah. I don't know that I have to introduce you. Well, I've effectively just told you a lot of the people you're seeing now that you've heard on radio, here they are. And that's probably exciting to those people of that generation. And I do I do think it worth mentioning, too, that as, as, as Orson Welles is introducing these different characters, we're not seeing them like in a scene in costume. It's almost like, oh, you caught me grocery shopping. And like you said, he caught that one actress with her hair up, which uh, that in itself is a podcast. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, and the weird thing is it doesn't look like her hair's up. It kind of looks like it's just there. Like, was that a bad thing back then? Hey, we caught you with your hair. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. Would you like to I'm buy sorry. a vacuum cleaner? We caught Jeff with his pants down. Hey, oh. <laughs> that's more of Halloween than anything else. But oh. um, and sad. It's a sad. <laughs> okay, is it the Nightmare Before Christmas? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, it's a short film. Um, so again, so it great. I mean, and what better person who is who is blazing trails or a trailblazer? Um, to come out with his own way of doing the trailer. So kudos to him for for thinking of a different way. Now. Was Citizen was Citizen Kane a big box office success? No, but that's uh, you. We cannot treat this as hey, this trailer did not okay. work. Okay, there are tons of documentaries out there that will tell you that Rand, William Randolph Hearst. Oh, that's that right. This film was based around him, and he used the might. And when I say might, there that's is right. no news empire like that today. Every cinema out there knew to get their films to work they yeah. had to advertise in a hearse paper and so what does he do he says no one's going to advertise that film and no one ever sees citizen kane i forgot about it, that i think it took until about 10 it, i don't have the exact date 10 to 15 years later when some french journalists began to say this is possibly the greatest film that's ever been yeah. created yeah i forgot about that that's right um so we also have real quick here we have the planet of the apes original trailer which i haven't seen either and i'm going to start doing that I I am going to start uh, when I go back and watch some of these old films, older films. I'm going to start watching the trailers first and then going in because to me the, it, this is, it would be kind of interesting to see the trailer and watch a movie and be like, the hell is that? But right. uh, here we go. We're going to have uh, Planet of the Apes uh, from 1968 original trailer here on the Other Kind Radio. Can't help thinking that somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man. Has to be. The words are Charlton Heston's. Get out a last signal to Earth and we've landed. Now he's swimming. So we actually get some real footage from the first. The world he finds out of the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where man is the lowest order of living things. And the superior beings are apes. We see the first shot of one of the gorillas, which I found really surprising. Nowadays, you, you're going to hold that stuff and not show it. And apes would be the surprise if you get out there. I'm surprised they don't show it. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm going to go ahead and turn it down. So then we're getting back in more footage and everything. Uh, yeah, I agree. See, this would have ruined a lot of the movie for me because that, that, what's that? We will get Charlton talking in a little bit. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, except that I get, oh, there it is. If you, Jeff, if you'll fast forward to about 159 in. Go ahead with what you're saying about how it disappoints. Well, you. I was just going to say that that's the great thing about that movie is just, you know, they think they're landing on a planet. And then all of a sudden you find out that humans are the lowest, you know, of the low. I'm 135. I'm at 140. Here we go. I'll bring him back in. Charleston Heston. 
did not end here. It ended in an episode so unpredictable, so shocking, it made the horror which preceded it seem calm and gentle as a summer's night. A great many people worked long and hard to answer the question of what a civilization would be like where the evolutionary process had been reversed and apes were the superior species. Hundreds of technicians and the largest number of makeup artists ever assembled assisted the producers, the writers, the director, and the cast. Dr. Cornelius Roddy McDowell. Dr. Zilla is played by Kim Hunter. Dr. Zayas is portrayed by Maurice Evans. Nova. You're getting a lot of the same things on shooting up at the Citizen Kane. He's introducing the cast. Yeah, yeah, he's introducing the cast. He's giving away who's what. I thought those were real apes. Now I'm pissed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You are the biggest dork I I am. Of course I am. Um, But yeah, and and the other thing I have to note too, uh, Citizen Kane and this one run about three minutes, which is very long for a trailer. Yeah, I mean, the average one now is a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah depending on how much of an event picture it is. And I guess what also is kind of that's combining with both it being longer in, in length uh, is also the shots are longer. Like we're actually seeing established shots and it's not just cut to cut to cut to cut to. This is, this is not a great example as far as there, there's another cut of this trailer out there. And I I didn't realize (laughs) I found the wrong one. That's the same thing that you get Charlton up front. He's oh. the first thing, and he walks on. It's much like in pre-pro, Jeff mentioned, there's a famous one with Hitchcock. I don't know if you have that out there where he's talking about Psycho. I am actually do have this, uh, oh boy, did I did I lose it? Hold on. Stand by. There we go. I got it now. Um, and I'll be more than happy to play this uh, real quick, too, and then we can kind of get into where the modern, because I know a little fact that I've been excited to share with you right after we listen to... Um, this, this chucklehead. I can hear the, uh, let's see, why isn't it playing? Oh, there we go. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Here we have a quiet little motel tucked away off the main highway. And as you see, perfectly harmless looking. When in fact, it has now become known as the scene of the crime. This motel also has, as an adjunct, an old house, which is, if I may say so, a little more sinister looking, less innocent than the motel itself. And in this house, the most dire, horrible events took place. I think we can go inside because the place is up for sale. I think that's, okay, so for the kind listener that's listening again, um, the shot is obviously shot with, uh, were they called jib cams back then or whatever? What are those ones that are... I, because I wasn't watching it, I don't know how it was shot. Oh, 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 okay. So it's like a it's a shot from way up high. So they used I think that's called a a, a jib, right? They would use a back then. It would have just been cranes. They oh, okay. had simple cranes. And so it's it's a top down shot. You see, um, good lord, what's his name? Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, Alfred, you see Hitchcock standing in the parking lot, and he's and he's looking, you know, in front of the hotel. And then the the camera slowly lowers, and he starts his his movement towards the house, which then 
transitions to a shot up the hill to the house, the famous shot. And he's like, it's the most diabolical, horrible things happened in this house. I think we can go inside. It's for sale. <laughs> like everybody's like, yeah, let's go check it out. Um, again, Psycho had so many wonderful moments. And again, I, I need to, I need to watch it. Um, but what a wonderful way of introducing us to this film. Um, by not showing us some of those scenes because it should have if it was if this trailer was released today uh -huh. it would have been the shower shower scene over and over again and you know it would have it exactly. really would have taken us away yeah and and that film you it literally is everything about that film you cannot tell people you can't because we're on a pop culture thing i'm going to spoil a bit here if you've not seen it but the first of the film is a deception of what's going to come you think it's a heist film but it's not the heist film because this thing contains a very famous shower scene that changes the course of the film if you show the heist then you're like hey it's a heist movie and everybody shows them they're like what the hell yeah and then if you show it's a slasher movie you're like oh what the hell's going on for the first hour so hitchcock builds this together and says I'm going to show you all this diabolical stuff because Hitchcock inarguably is the first true celebrity director. Now, if you want to argue with me that Cecil B. DeMille and all these were other big spectacles, yes, they were. But the reason I say he's the first celebrity is you really can't argue for the pop culture world that he was not the first that people would go, oh, I know who that is. I see his picture. That's Alfred Hitchcock. We didn't see direct. You might see them. You might know who Cecil B. DeMille is, but he was not a character in and of himself. Right. So he does this advertising. And then famously also, I don't know if we've ever talked about this or if you know this, Jeff, Hitchcock even said, we have to make this completely take the people and like, oh, what's going on? Right. They have a famous campaign that no one would be admitted after the beginning of the film. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so you tie these things together and it's like, well, why can't I get it after the film? And, you know, that film is so beautifully constructed to lull you into believing again, that it's, a, a, I'm this, our Janet Lee, who is a little bit of an American sweetheart is stealing money. You ain't, you got a clue what's going to happen to you at that point, if you don't know. And so you can get a filmmaker like Hitchcock who knows every part of that story he wants to tell. And that's what I clamor for now. Right. And then, you know, shifting away from this, we, we don't, I don't know of another instance like that until 2002 Spider-Man, which, you know, I, I'm going to toss that cause we can get to it. Right. Well, first, but please throw in what you think yeah, as well. First, I want to uh, give you my little, my little uh, movie knowledge that I have. Okay. So in the year 1975, there was mm -hmm. a small little film named Jaws mm -hmm. that came out and it, it was, First of all, it was the widest open film in the history of, of film films being open. Generally, they opened New York, um, uh, L.A., and some other major markets, and then slowly trickled around. But in um, June 25th, 1975, Jaws opened in 464 theaters nationwide. Had never been done before. The other thing that had never been done before is Universal spent... $700,000, which back then would be millions and millions of dollars, into television advertising. And Jaws is seen as the first wide-release movie that hit American screens and led, I think, in a, in a way to it, to an ultimate run of $470 million. 
So kudos to Spielberg and Universal because I think this trailer's worth talking about just in the sense that they didn't just it was one of the first films to really go out on television and have that kind of impact. And they did a beautiful thing with with the trailer, which follows kind of the thing that we talked about in the movie, which is the trailer is just a camera going through the ocean, through some some heavy parts of plants and stuff with the Jaws theme going very kind of uh, ominous. And then with a shot of, of uh, a pretty woman, uh, you know, having trouble swimming because she's being tacked, you know, obviously by a shark. Um, so kudos to them. I mean, that's, that's great. They're, they made $7 million in the first weekend alone when Jaws opened. Which back then, you know, here we are talking films now. I forget who did I see is coming out this weekend. They were projecting 25 to 30 million. And that was a soft opening. Yeah. And, yeah. and for those of you out there, soft opening is just their lingo for not really good. Um, I mean the fact. I mean the fact that, and, and you know, Spielberg and Universal were like collectively swiping, uh, wiping the sweat off their forehead, also known as swiping. Right. Um, Swiper no because, swiping. You know they had had all that that budget issues and the shark that wouldn't work, and so they you know they needed Spielberg needed money quickly to uh, you know calm down the the accountants at uh, Universal. So I thought I was really excited to share that with you. I didn't know how much of you of that you already knew. I'm sure you're well aware of it. But I thought, how great is it that your favorite film of all time was not only just a great film, but also set the standard to what modern blockbusters did? Because, of course, all the other studios saw this happen. They're like, this is what we got to do. We got to open more theaters and we got to spend a lot of money on television to get people to be aware of our. So in a way, uh, groundbreaking, but also kind of was the beginning of what led us to where we're today. Yeah. I mean, now you're looking at that the, the most recent Star Wars film is a scheduled advertisement released during Monday night football. Yeah. That's how far you've gotten is now people expect it to the point that you have to tell them being your, it's going to be <laughs> Monday night. It's going to be this time slot right in the middle of the biggest game of the year. That's how they do it. And it all begins with humble beginnings that really, you know, I, I think you could probably look at that. The studio was freaked out because the press had been so bad about how many uh, issues were, had followed this, the production of this movie. How do we get out there? And pretty geniusly, they do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Also, before we get into too modern of, of trailers, I do want to, I think we'd be remiss if we if we don't mention uh, the voice of God. And of course, I'm talking about Don uh, LaFontaine, who was the guy that said, in the world, and had a, had the voice that, that I, as uh, growing up and and even to this day would would love to have. I mean, I've always thought he really had it made because you know all of his work was done. Uh, he wasn't famous by face, so he was making lots of money and he could go have dinner and I guess until he spoke, um, you didn't know who he was. Uh, I think he's uh, I think he's passed on now. I believe uh, he has. Yeah. So now we're seeing um, the culmination of knowing how to get into theaters. Getting, getting a lot of attention on television. This, of course, before the internet. And now we have the voice that goes with it. And he did some 5,000 films as the VOG um, and really set the standard. And even to this day, even after his passing, every time you hear in a town or, you know, in another part of the world, uh, you can't help but think of him and the huge footprint this gentleman has left on that industry. It's just incredible. Absolutely. All right, so then we get into modernized and some of the other ones they talked about, and I, I would I would uh, 
suggest the kind listener go see the shining was one that i remember seeing in the theater that all it is is an elevator and uh some furniture in a hotel getting moved around by a bunch of fake blood freaked me out uh in fact i would you know as soon as i would see it would come on screen i would close my eyes and not watch it um then we also need to make sure we mention um dr strangelove uh because that film stanley kubrick uh, directed the trailer, which was a really quick mashup of words on the screen. Wouldn't trans well to, well to the podcast, but kind listeners, go check it out. And mixed in, so it would be like, how, you know, did you know? And then he would cut to a scene that would be in text, and an actor would say the next word, and then it would go back to the rapidly cut text together. Um, really That's interesting that you choose two Stanley Kubrick films there, Shining and yes. Love. <laughs> um, and then the other one I think is the, the really perfectly moves into the modern day and we can wrap this up is Inception. Inception is seen as one of the real immediate global distribution, you know, internet, everything else. And just of being well cut and well produced to the point that, uh, it's kind of regarded to as the next step that led to where we are today with what the, as we said, formulaic uh, or algorithm that these things are put into that are cut. It featured a few things like sounds, mix, uh, sounds, sound effects uh, matching music uh, as it goes along. So, you know, as the music rises, you know, something on the screen would rise as well and just different things like that that kind of uh, got it going. Not to say that it hadn't been done before, but it was kind of the largest release and and uh, again, I'm being told uh, worth mentioning in trailer talk. So, did you want me to play Spider-Man? No, we'll put this out there. I, I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna run through a, just a couple of things because I agree we need to wrap this yeah. up. The, I will make sure that we post out on the Twitter feed. Um, 2002 Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man with Tommy McGuire, directed by Sam Raimi. They actually shot. Once again, talking bank house like Psycho, but it's a, a bank robbery, mm. and you get to see spider-man saving the day it is not in the film ah. it was never intended to be in the film it's intended to show you it's set in new york it has a bit of fun to it mm -hmm. here's what spider-man's going to look like how, look how good we pulled this off and it is amazing it's like wow that i've just seen a movie i want to see it's exciting that's smart there's also um I, i'm going to save the last of my list here jeff sure one other thing, because you mentioned television, there is a film that has to be mentioned in this discussion because, much like Jaws with TV, the first ever considered to really use the internet masterfully, masterfully was the independent film, The Blair Witch Project. Oh, that's right, yeah. Blair Witch really began using forum boards, you know, back when we mm -hmm. all really, that's the way we communicated, and started saying they had people that were, they were so smart. They went in and said, have you heard about this film? Mm -hmm that they found this this film in the woods somewhere and they're going to put it together. Have you heard about it? It's like supposed to be like terrifying because they found some bad shit in the woods and you started hearing these things. And then when the trailer came out, it looked like shaky cam running through the thing. Yep. And then you have the famous upshot of the girl holding the camera and, and snot running from her nose. I'm so scared that, I mean, you start thinking about that is the first time they ever went to the internet and said, we're going to create buzz. Right. That is a beautiful way of advertising too, where they you you had to 
explain that film because that film is everything about its conceit. And anybody who wants to fight me that it's a bad film, you're wrong. It's really well done. You just have to understand what they've done to the point that it has made a whole genre of oh, yeah. footage, uh, type films. I, I would almost liken that movie to a little bit calling back to Death Stranding. It's you know, it's getting bad raps as, as it reviews is slow and everything. But I think if you take a moment to understand what they're trying to do, it's the same thing, not to tie it all in together, but definitely worth mentioning that one. No, I, I think you're totally right. I, I think you've got people that are taking chances and sometimes it doesn't speak well to the audience. Right. But I think you're, you're spot on. The last thing I'm going to mention, if, and we'll put this out on Twitter too, the recent release of El Camino, the sequel to Breaking Bad, it's trailer releases i think until the final one where they actually use some footage from it right the first trailer that came out was skinny pete who anybody that's watched breaking bad knows him immediately and you know from the moment it begins he's in an interrogation room and they're asking him, he's like no i don't know where he is i don't know and he never says jesse but we know immediately what right. he's talking about they did this they had another trailer where it was just aaron paul sitting in the el camino which, you know, you know that's what he escaped from the last episode, and it's him crying as he listens to radio, the that, radio report. That's right. Those uh. are beautiful constructions that told us everything we need to know, what we're going to see, and told us nothing at all. So, again, I'm, I'm, I know you were trying to get out of here, but I do want to ask you, um, the, so the reason why there are, we see all these trailers that are just, you know, print, Print and print and go, print and go, right. that are showing all this stuff. I mean, is that just, is that, is that just because they know it doesn't matter? Is that because it's just easier to do? Is it because, you know, the big movie houses don't have time to go and and film these little extra things that would, would which would, I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking is, do, do they just do that because they know you're going to go see the movie or you're not going to go see the movie? And it doesn't matter. I think that when you get to feel, films like transformers 28 right you all you you know all i gotta do is put that there's a new transformers the logo enough i mean is enough of a recognition then i show a bunch of blow up things and you're like woo, excited i don't think it's a money thing because you think about the the spider-man thing we'll put out there is I, there's probably some cgi but that was even early for a ton of cgi sure um there, there was not a lot of extra expense, and you're already building an expense to build the advertising budget. So I don't think it's an expense thing. I think it's an ease. I think they don't want to think about it. They watch the film, and they go, oh, that's a funny line. Well, half the time, the yeah. funny line should be saved within the context of the film. Right. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm brought of mind of one of my favorite genre films, Shaun of the Dead. I would be horrified to think of what they did a trailer for that because you take any parts of that out, you ruin that movie. Right. I think that's a great answer, and I think that's a good way to kind of close this discussion because I think it is. It's it, to me, it shows. It's kind of like it's kind of like food and restaurants today. I mean, if you go to a place that throws a little love into their food, you can tell immediately. But most of the time, you're going to be at your quintessential chain restaurant, and they don't care. They already know you're in the door, so there you go. We're going to give you what everybody else gives you. Right. Uh, big kudos to Todd. Thank you so much for having this discussion. I, I think it's great. I mean, we could, we've already, we're already running 110. We could sit here and talk literally another hour, but I know you have stuff to do and I've got to go. What? I thought we were doing a three hour right. podcast. We today. should. We, we will do a marathon. We should do it for charity at some point. That's what we'll do. Okay. We'll do a live broadcast for charity and we'll go for 24 hours. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Maybe twenty three, Jeff. Yeah, we'll just play. We'll just play trailers for twenty three hours. Um, 
So big thank you to Todd. Thank you for joining us um, on that. And I, I would reach out to the kind listener. I know uh, many of you have thoughts, feelings on this particular topic. Please email us. Let us know your thoughts. The email address is real simple. If you want to talk to Todd, it's Todd at theotherkindradio.com. If you want to talk to me, it's Jeff at theotherkindradio.com. Or if you just want to send it to everybody, you can send it to info, I-N-F-O at theotherkindradio.com. And we'll be more than happy to do a follow-up episode with your questions and feelings as far as trailer talk. I want to go ahead and again, thank you. Thank Todd uh, for joining us. Todd, you have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. I look forward to it, Jeffy. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, There's another edition, the 70th edition of The Other Kind Radio. uh, And we appreciate you joining us and hanging out with us. Uh, Do want to thank a number of our new followers. We got Sound Shakers, Anna Lawrence, uh, Sortego, Disco Chump Records, uh, GYMH. Hopefully that's not anything bad. Um, we also have user 275678917 that's following us now. Uh, we really enjoy, enjoy doing the show. We invite your feedback. I gave you the, uh, gave you the email addresses early. You can also follow us at, I think it's talk, T-O-K, at talk radio, T-O-K-R-A-D-I-O, uh, on Twitter and invite you to follow us and join in the conversation for myself, for Todd. Thanks again. Remember. We are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Radio. The Other Kind.